Greetings, and welcome to the Get Hiking Southeast podcast. I'm Joe Miller, and I'll be leading this adventure. Why me? Why am I at the front of the pack? Well, for the last decade or so, I've been leading hikes and backpack trips in the Southeast, and for nearly three decades, I've been writing about adventure in the region as a newspaper columnist, guidebook author, and as a blogger. Our focus in the Get Hiking Southeast podcast, telling the stories of the hikers and the trails, especially those lesser-known trails in the southeastern United States. And now the news. So spotting those first spring wildflowers of the year, that's one sign that uh, spring is on the way and that uh, the season is, is about to warm up. Another sign is the opening of seasonally closed facilities in the national forests and national parks. That's beginning. We got a report from the Chattooga River District of the Chattahoochee and Oconee National Forest in Georgia that they will be reopening some areas in their district uh, starting um, in the next few days. That district covers about 261,000 acres in the northeasternmost part of Georgia. And apparently they've made quite a few improvements. Uh, They spent the winter working on 250 miles of road in the district, uh, reblading road surfaces, upgrading water drainage features, and mowing roadside vegetation. And they are also upgrading 11 of the developed campgrounds in the district, which is exciting. They've put in some new picnic tables, new fire rings, uh, hand pumps for water, and uh, they've repaired some swim beaches and docks and water lines as well. So, starting to reopen up again. Uh, Forest Service facilities tend to reopen a little earlier than the National Park facilities. I would say along the Shenandoah National uh, Park and the Blue Ridge Parkway that uh, we'll start to see those probably more in late uh, mid-April to early May. So, Keep an eye out for that. We will include links to the reopenings for um, for the National Forest Service facilities, and uh, you can check on those yourself. It's always a good thing to check and see, be able to jump on it when a new um, area opens up in the mountains. Also a good thing to keep track of controlled burns, which we've talked about before, and they're starting to pick up. We got reports this week that 17 controlled burns were conducted in Virginia's national forests uh, for the first half of this month, and two were conducted in Tennessee. And on a similar note, uh, also good to check those Forest Service sites for wildfire activities. I know it's a little early in the season, but uh, Francis Marion National Forest in South Dakota, there's been a, a fire in the Twin Fire, it's called the Twin Fire, and uh, that fire has been burning for a little bit. It was reported as 75% contained as of March 17th, having burned 217 acres. So, um, again, always check. If you're heading into a national forest in particular, check the appropriate site. And again, we have links for all of the national forests in the southeast. Check them before you head out just to make sure there's no surprise activity that you'll encounter. And that's the news for this week. This is a quick follow-up to last week's report on the state trails, our interview with Smith Rayner, director of State Trails for North Carolina. 
She gave us a great overview of the nine trails that constitute North Carolina's state trails. These are some of the longer trails, uh, anywhere from about uh, oh, 20 miles, I think is the shortest, up to a little over uh, close to 1,200 in the case of the Mountains to Sea Trail. Eventually, they'll be um, about 2,300 miles. And we, um, we got a good overview. We focused a little bit on the Fauna Flora Trail. One of the things that was missing, though, from that report was the fact that uh, there was no kind of on-the-ground live report about what the trails are actually like. Now, most of you probably are familiar with the Mountains to Sea Trail, at least most of you in North Carolina. This past weekend, we had the opportunity to hike about five miles on the Fonda Flora Trail. And just to recap quickly, that trail will run an estimated 60 miles from Morganton to uh, Asheville, downtown Morganton to downtown Asheville. It'll go through Lake James State Park. It'll go through Old Fort. It'll go through Black Mountain, uh, possibly Swannanoa. And we were intrigued because there's about 20 miles of it that are done. If you look at the state trails uh, website for uh, North Carolina state parks, it says only 15.7 miles, but those are the trails, the amount of trail that's actually designated. There's more trail that's done that hasn't quite received state designation yet. We had a backpacking trip in Linville Gorge, and we went in from the Short Off Mountain Trailhead off of Wolf Pit Road at the base of Wolf Pit Road, off of 126, is a gravel parking lot, a, a apparently new gravel parking lot for the Fonda Flora Trail. So we started there and we hiked east toward Morganton. We hiked toward uh, County Park. And uh, the trail is a multi-use trail. It's for both hiking and uh, mountain biking. And I must say the trail was spectacular. At one point, about midway through, one of the hikers in the group turned around and said, where are all the rocks and, tr and tree roots? And sure enough, the trail was virtually devoid of rock and, um, and tree roots, which, you know, was kind of hard to do in this part of the country. Very smooth. Um, State Trails has a maximum 10% grade on its trails. This, I'm guessing, through the nice use of switchbacks, couldn't have topped 5%. In fact, I can't, I can't think of a spot where it was that steep. Really good flow. The trails are, are wide. Some of it follows old roadbed. Most of it, though, is new trail. Uh, just expertly designed. One of the things that I was really excited about, when we started, there was a father and a, a daughter, and I think the daughter was just learning how to ride a bike. And he was teaching her how to ride on this trail. And it was really so well suited for learning how to ride a bike. We saw at the county park trailhead at the far end, we also saw um, several families with kids who were mountain biking. Um, really exciting to see because a lot of the mountain bike trail, especially in the mountains, is a little above what most families and most uh, smaller kids are capable of. So this is a great opportunity for, for them. The stretch of trail that we did was, uh, there was about three miles that was on the main trail, and then we picked up a connector trail, which was also part of the Mountains to Sea Trail connector, and we were able to do about a five-mile loop. Um, the connector part was, was equally nice. This particular part was also open to mountain biking, 
and it went on to connect to the mountains the sea trail uh, at the Linville River where it um, it climbs up to Shortoff Mountain just a really gorgeous stretch of trail this particular stretch was along Lake James and eventually there will be a loop of this trail of 29 miles that will circle Lake James so you've got about this 60 mile network and one of the great things about it is there's about 20 miles of it that are done right now uh, breakdown shows that there are let's see here so the bulk of the trail that's done is in the county park area. This is Burke County. Uh, the latest figure I see is 6.4 miles. I'm guessing there might be a little bit more that's open. It looks like they're just expanding at a rate that the website can't keep up with. There's another 3.8 miles of uh, trail that piggybacks on the Catawba River Greenway in Morganton, which is the eastern terminus. There's also a stretch uh, about 3.6 miles of Forest Service Trail from Old Fort to Bunk the Buncombe County line. And there is a half mile that's now finished in the town of Black Mountain. So already this trail that was only designated by the state legislature in 2015 has got 20 miles of trail done. And, and again, possibly more. There might be more in the state park that hasn't been designated. Uh, it's just really phenomenal that so much, I mean, that's about a third of the overall trail that has been built in five years. That is warp speed for trail building. And part of the reason it's warp speed isn't just because they're building really nice trail. It's also because this particular trail will encounter, um, so part of it's in Burke County, part of it's in McDowell, part of it is in Buncombe County. Part of it is on Duke Energy Land. Some of it is on the towns that it goes through. Some of it's North Carolina State Parks. And some of it is North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission land. The biggest part, though, the biggest challenge is that some of it is on private land, which will require a fair amount of negotiation to uh, encourage the landowners to let the trail go through. But 20 miles of trail in five years, pretty phenomenal. There is enough now to justify a trip. Um, Lake James has a really nice campground. You can go, and I'm guessing that there's probably some trail done within the park, but it's a short drive from the campground to uh, the trailhead that we started from, and uh, some really great hiking from there. So very much worth checking out. I'm guessing from the trailhead we started out that there is at least... Uh, probably eight miles of trail if you include the Mountains to Sea Trail connector. So, very much uh, worth checking out. I'm going to include some links in the show notes that'll help you plan a trip. It'll give you a chance to take a look at uh, where the trail is open and uh, help you do a little bit of planning for a trip out there. But definitely worth the drive. We like to think of ourselves as devoted to adventure, to the outdoors, to pursuits of a non-material nature. Ah, but face it, those adventures require gear. Good gear, preferably. And if it's the latest and greatest to boot, well, all the better. Frankly, sometimes new gear is just the thing we need to get us out of the adventure doldrums, and yes, they happen, back into the woods. In this episode, we debut Retail Therapy, in which we walk into an outdoor store and ask, what do you have that's new? It's cool, and then I need to have for my next adventure. 
Today, we're at the Great Outdoor Provision Company in Chapel Hill, North Carolina with store manager Chad Pickens. Chad, what do I need in my gearbox? Well, we've been talking about a lot of things for spring, and one of the most exciting products in our store right now is the on-cloud uh, running shoes. So they've, uh, they're a Swiss brand. They've been around since about 2010, and they've really seen their traction increase here over the last few years as people have learned more and more about them. What was a common interaction with customers is they'll come in and they'll say, I was just with some friends and I saw that they had these funky shoes on. Do you have them in stock? And they'd give me a description of these clouds. And uh, that's so we've gone real heavy in these. We've got all kinds of colors and styles, and I'd love to tell you some about them. Yes, there are so many different clouds, Chad. And um, we're interested more in the hiking, but can you kind of work your way down from um, the different clouds? To the hiking clouds. Yeah, sure thing. So there's there's a lot of different ones in the series. It all began with the shoe that's just referred to as the cloud. And the cloud is the yoga pant of shoes. It, uh, it's something you could work out in. It's something you could run in. It's something you could take to a restaurant. Um, where we first uh, saw these take off was, was in uh, airline travel. And when airline travel comes back, we expect to see lots of these in airports again. Yes, I see that. I see one right in front of us, and it looks like a kind of a slimmed-down version of, of the hiking shoe. Yeah, so a lot of your listeners are probably uh, trying to draw a mental picture of what these look like. And, and the real interesting element on these is the, is the outsole. And the outsole doesn't look like a traditional shoe outsole that has the same thickness throughout. What this has is, is separate areas um, that, that are called cloud elements. And cloud elements have little holes in the side of them. You can see through the side of the shoe, essentially. And they've got, they've got 10 or 12 different cloud element zones on, on the bottom of each shoe. Now, um, that gives you some energy rebound, and it gives you cushioning that, that the manufacturers of this shoe can tune to be specific to different parts of your foot. So you're going to want a little bit of different rebound in your heel than you would in your forefoot. And by having this unique feature, the cloud element, you can really tune all these shoes to give you the specific performance you're looking for or comfort. So does, does that work individually for each person that's wearing it? It's, it's designed uh, for, for groups of people. For instance, the cloud shoe that we're talking about is one that's the yoga pan of shoes. It's, it's designed to give you a good compromise between uh, cushion and performance and stability. Okay. The other shoes in their lineup get a little bit more technical. So there, there's a shoe like the Cloud X, which looks very similar, has a slightly different type of mesh, and it has a heel counter that's um, a little bit more structured. So Cloud X would be a shoe that you would, you would take to the gym that you'd run in. Sure, it's going to be appropriate when you're traveling, when you're at a restaurant, um, but, but it, it's going to be more performance-oriented. Okay, okay. As you continue the line, there's a shoe called the Cloud Swift. The Cloud Swift gives you even more cushioning, and it gives you a little bit more uh, rocker in the shoe to propel you forward. Um, oh, yeah. It also gives you some TPU. Gosh, I'm getting technical here, Joe. My, my apologies. <laughs> these, are, these are kind of plastic inlays in the shoe that allow it to hold your foot in position when you're doing something more technical like running. Oh. But it's not going to lose any of the same comfort that you've come to to expect from these when you're using them just casually as well. So that gives you a little bit more lateral um, stability? That's a great way to describe okay. it. Lateral stability, if you're doing something like trail running, like road running, it's going to hold uh, you in place a little bit better. Okay, good, good. And then the, my favorite shoe in the lineup is the Cloud Venture. Yes. 
The Cloud Venture was designed uh, by the Swiss company on to be their their state of the art uh, technical trail running shoe, and it's fantastic for that. It it really adds a, a plate in the bottom of the shoe that gives you some more energy rebound than in the regular cloud shoes. It gives you more structure and support. Um, we think about um, you're less likely to roll your ankle if you have a shoe that has good torsional rigidity like a, a shoe like the Cloud Venture would. The other things you'll see is they've got uh, more protective uh, type elements on the outside of the shoe. Yeah. Keeps it from getting torn up by the trails and rocks and things that you normally come into contact with. And I think that's fairly new because I had a pair three years ago that did not have that and they were subject to um, splitting out a little bit and um, but that looks that looks like it's going to hold up really well. Well, they're they're beautifully designed shoes too. When you look at that, it's the type of precision Swiss engineering that you might come to expect in their high quality uh, motor vehicles, for instance. Ah. But they they brought that to their shoes as well. Okay, so one question I have: the Cloud Venture, uh, it looks like it compares with the Lone Peak Five. Now the Lone Peak from Ultra, that's long been considered one of the most popular through-hiking shoes. I think it is the most popular through-hiking shoe for the AT. Um, and I'm wondering how those two compare. Yeah, the Ultra Lone Peak 5, another really terrific shoe in our lineup. Uh, what, what differentiates the Ultra Lone Peak is that it has balanced cushioning in both the heel of your foot and the ball of your foot. Um, you, you heard this early on in their um, lifespan, the Ultras were calling themselves a zero drop shoe. Right. But now we're, we're thinking of it more like balanced cushioning. It's more a, it's, it's definitely not a barefoot feel. It gives you plenty of cushion, but there's not a difference in cushioning height between your heel and your forefoot. Okay. The other thing an Ultra does is it has, um, it has a, a, a toe box that's foot shaped. And I think of this like the Birkenstock sandals that I was selling 20 plus years ago here in the shop. When you look down on a Birkenstock sandal, you see that they've given you some room for your forefoot to expand with each step, like is, is natural, oh, yeah. like happens when, when we are walking barefoot. Your metatarsals spread, that gives you extra balance, it gives you a little bit more cushioning. And that's what's special about the Ultra Lone Peak. When we move to the cloud lineup, there's some things about them that are similar to the Ultra Lone Peak. You know, some of the fabrics that they use have some similarities. They're breathable, they're supportive. Um, but what's a little bit different is you have a little bit more cushioning on the heel of the shoe than you do on the ball of the shoe. In most cases, the shoes we're talking about have a what we call a six millimeter or seven millimeter drop. And the thickness in, to all but the most techie running people doesn't matter so much, but you, you'll definitely feel a difference when you when you slide them on. Okay. So one question too for uh, hiking in the southeast, uh, hiking or backpacking, uh, a lot of rocky, rudy terrain. Yes. How do these how do these handle that? Pretty well. So the the magic of that again is the is the cloud elements that are on the bottom, and each individual cloud element reacts to the terrain that you're on. So if you step on a a log that individual cloud element can deform and give you some bounce back. Mm, okay. Okay, great. Um, what color would you 
call that? Oh, I should, probably should know the technical term for it. To, to me, it looks like a burnt orange. Yes, I was going to say burnt orange or Tennessee volunteer orange. Okay. It's really a, a, a lovely shoe. Isn't it great? It goes yes. really nicely with khakis. And like I love the, the technical part of it as well. But what I've been wearing my Cloud Ventures for a lot, in addition to trail hikes, is just around the shop. They feel great on hard floors and... I travel in them, and they've been my go-to shoe for the last couple of years. Well, I tell you, I've had two pairs, and one of the things I love about this shoe is once that I, I, I kind of wear it out for hiking and backpacking, I can use it as just a kicking around shoe, um, using it uh, like for a driving shoe or whatever until it's just completely gone. So it holds up. It holds up really well that way. Kind of gives you two lives. Anything else you think people should know about? The cloud venture. Well, there's a, there's a lot of different shoes that that we stock that are designed to be um, for for trail hiking or trail running. And in, in the past, our our footwear lineup many many years ago when I started here was very um, focused on heavy hiking shoes or heavy hiking boots. Uh, and those things you'll hear people say, I, you know, I've had the same hiking boots for 30 years. And while I love the idea of keeping something that long, what what they're not what that doesn't tell you the story of is how long those took to break in and and uh that's something that that's happened with the newer version of hiking shoes and boots is you can slide into these really quickly feel really good about them hit the trail without having to think about spending weeks and weeks and weeks uh breaking them in yeah years ago well not all that long ago maybe five years ago i did a a 18 mile hike at Doughton park and there was a guy on the hike we took a lunch break at Wildcat Rocks, and the guy took his boots off, and he had, they were gorgeous boots. But he was breaking them in for a trip he was taking that summer um, in Italy. And I said, I said, are you having trouble with them? And he goes, yeah, I'm still trying to break them in. <laughs> and I said, well, how many miles do you have on them? And he goes, about 250, and they say that you need to put about 400 miles on them to get them broken in. Well, this guy's feet were, I mean, they were, sausage and you know he still had another 150 miles of hiking like that to go so right out of the box pretty much broken in joe i remember those days super well i would fit somebody with the shoe back in the late 90s and i'd feel really great about the fit that we got but then i would tell them even though we feel good about this in the store it's going to take 50 miles before you know if this is going to work or if it's not yeah and as much as i like super super long lasting things like those old leather Fabiano or Scarpa boots oh. that we used to sell. Um, it's just really nice to confirm you've got a good fit immediately and yes. not have to spend that time breaking them all in. Yes, very good. All right. Well, Chad, thanks so much for your um, introduction to the cloud for us and for letting us know which cloud is probably the best for our needs here in the southeast. That's great. It's super nice to talk to you as always, Joe. Thanks. That's our show for this week. I hope you liked it and that you'll be back. In the meantime, a reminder that the Get Hiking Southeast podcast is a part of the Get Hiking and Get Backpacking universe, where instead of just telling you about great places to go, we take you there. Coming up, we have in April, our fourth backpacking trip of the year, this one to the Wilson Creek area of the Pisgah National Forest. We'll do about four miles of hiking to camp in full backpack, and then about 14 miles of hiking in day packs, exploring Grag Prong, Huntfish Falls, Big Lost Cove Cliffs, South Harbor Falls, and more. This trip is the weekend of April 23rd through the 25th. 
If you live in the Triangle or Triad areas of North Carolina, we also have several hiking series that are starting up, including our Sunday Hike series that visits different trails in the Triangle for hikes of 5 to 7 miles from March into May. That series is offered both in the mornings and the afternoons. We also have a Tuesday evening hike series that runs March through May with after-work hikes of three miles on varying trails. We also have our first Get Hiking weekend escape of the season planned, an intimate gathering at Jones Lake State Park the weekend of April 9th through 11th. We will be hiking the Pine Savannah and Coastal Woods of Jones Lake, Turnbull State Educational Forest, and Bailey Baytree Lake State Natural Area on Saturday and Sunday as well as enjoying one of the best views of the night sky to be had along the east coast from this lightly light-polluted area of North Carolina's coastal plain. You can learn more about these adventures and everything else we do at GetGoingNC.com. Click on Explore With Us.